Hey there. Welcome to the show. I got to tell you, I'm really excited about this week because I'm doing something that we have not done before. Uh, my producer, Ian Grant, said, hey, look at, you know, why don't we shake it up a little and get some of the past presidents in some of the real estate boards and associations on with you? And I thought, well, that makes a lot of sense. So, you know what, joining me this hour, I'm going to have Paul Etherington. Um, Paul was the uh, president of the Toronto Real Estate Board in 2014-2015, and uh, he is currently the broker of record at Royal Heritage Realty out in Durham. Um, so, uh, we're going to have Paul join us. And Tim Sirianos, you know him to be no stranger to the show. He's part of my Real Estate Talk Triangle every single month and a big contributor here. And uh, Tim is a past president of Toronto Real Estate Board. Uh, in 2017, currently a director at the Canadian Real Estate Association, and he is broker owner of uh, Remax Ultimate right in Toronto. And then I've got the past president of the Ontario Real Estate Association in 2016, none other than Ray Ferris joining me. He is the broker owner of Erie's Edge there out on the shores of Lake Erie. And, you know, Ray's also a contributor regularly here on the show. And, you know, it's it's interesting because when when it was suggested that we do this, it's like, yeah, that would be awesome because, you know, they feed off each other. They have all different experiences because they were, you know, either, you know, the president at a different time in the real estate market. You know, if we reflect back to 2014 for a second, you know, everybody at the time, nobody was really saying they're saying, you know, real estate's out of control. And then 2016, during Ray's presidency, you know, we did, we were watching some prices go like crazy. And then during Tim's time, this is where a lot of things were implemented and we watched the market adjust. So again, different perspective, different time of leadership, and it's going to be a great segment. In fact, we're going to have them on for the rest of the show once we start segment two. So you don't want to miss out on that. But that's, uh, you know, that's kind of a, an, an intro to what I, I, I always do every single week. I want to, you know, talk about, you know, what's going on. It's normally my rant. But before I go down that road, um, I do want to thank everybody for the incredible turnout that we had for our newest release. So a lot of you know that I do run real estate webinars. We do talk about the market, why you should be a real estate investor. Well, we did have a special release this past week and we, uh, we'd started off with a release of townhomes in North Bay. And by the way, uh, North Bay is the number one place in Ontario right now to move. And uh, I didn't know that when, you know, we bought all these townhomes, but, you know, quite frankly, uh, it makes a lot of sense. And so we released three-bedroom townhomes for two twenty nine nine. Yep, that's right, two hundred twenty nine nine. That's not your, your down payment. That's the purchase price. Uh, of course, we blew out phase one, two, and three, um, within the day. Uh, very, very exciting. I want to congratulate everybody that was able to partake in this. Uh, these are just absolutely fabulous. We bought an entire village and we're so excited about it. So again, congratulations to everybody that did, uh, you know, take part in this release. Um, we do have a lot of releases uh, in the future of the Simple Investor. So if you do want to find out more, go to thesimpleinvestor.com or follow me on Instagram, thesimpleinvestor1. I'll keep you up to date on what's going on. But you know, when, when people talk about real estate and what we should be looking at in 2022, the runaway prices, you know, government potentially intervening, you know, the mere suggestion, and I, I was on Jerry Agar's show, we talked about this, where they would turn around and they would start, you know, almost like a luxury tax, where people start saying, well, if you own a property over a million dollars, you should pay taxes, extra taxes on it. And I kind of thought to myself, well, hang on, 
let's 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 analyze this. Why should somebody suffer from a natural market appreciation? Why should they give up some of their equity? And I know there's a lot of people that will listen to me and they say, yeah, but you're so one-sided on real estate. And and this is where I'm going to put kind of a break on it all. And I'm going to tell you, I'm not just one-sided on real estate. I believe to the core that everybody, where possible, should own real estate. And I'm not just saying it has to be exactly where you want to live, but real estate in general. And I don't think it's fair that the government should turn around to go after people that perhaps have owned properties for years and years and years, paid for the upkeep, paid for the property taxes, paid for the school taxes, paid for absolutely everything. And now, as values rise, and they will continue to do so due to lack of inventory, don't worry, I'll get to that in a second, but when they start rising, now we're going to tax the people who are probably utilizing this for their future, for their retirement. It is probably their biggest asset. And now you want to turn around and say, no, but they should pay their fair share. Well, this is where I'm going to tell the government to stuff it. Because when you start talking about fair share, fine, we pay. What are you going to do with it? Because you haven't shown us at all what would actually solve the problem these you know empty promises about more properties yeah well you know what we've got it we've got the new government in place where are the properties you promised i don't see any new shovels in the ground i'm not hearing about any red tape getting slashed in fact all we hear is the potential of the red tape actually getting longer what is being done about it you only promise until the day you get elected and then you do nothing about it and this is the problem it's about time that we had a government in place, and it doesn't matter what the party is. I'm talking about a government that actually has some power that's actually going to solve the problem instead of just pandering to everybody. So what, we're going to pick on people that have a property worth a billion dollars? Great. You're going to pick on everybody like that. You know what? There's not as many as you think. And here's the thing. You want to turn around and push the, the envelope and say, you are going to have to pay because your property is now worth over a million dollars. You owned it for 25 years. What did you expect? Okay. And this is the problem is that home ownership, you know what? It's not easy. And everybody knows that when, you know what? You had to come up with a down payment. You have to take care of the property. You got to pay the taxes. You know what? You've got to maintain it. You're paying your heat, your hydro, all your utilities. You own it. And everybody's going, well, okay, well, that's just the home ownership. Right. But you still have to do it. And ultimately in the end, we should not see a tax that would come out. Now, again, of course, people will start retracting and saying, oh, well, no, that's not really it. It's only a CMHC suggestion. Well, when these governing bodies are told to go do, you know, a study, come up with the numbers, you know it's sitting in the ether. They're just trying to bait us to see what the ultimate reaction is. Well, here's the ultimate reaction. You're not going to get reelected. Okay, you start throwing this stuff around. You start picking on people's greatest asset. I'm telling you, what you need to do is you need to get rid of the red tape, allow affordable housing, drop the development charges, get new buyers, new homeowners into a property. Let them do what they have a right to do. Pay off their mortgage, let the value go up, let them be able to be move up buyers so then we have new buyers being able to come in. Don't forget, every time you're a first time home buyer, eventually you're gonna be a first time home seller. Okay, and if you get trapped where you are going to get taxed more, what are you going to do? You're going to charge more for your property when you go to sell it because now you have to pay a tax. See, 
it's kind of the cart horse thing, chicken egg. You know what? It's not very bright. You're going to turn around and you're going to cause prices to go up even more. You know, and this is the one thing that we don't want to see. You know, I am not going to advocate the idea of double-digit increases in real estate. And a lot of people will sit there and say, sure you are. You own real estate. Yes, I do own real estate. But I don't agree with it. It hurts the market. Okay, we can't sustain these numbers and it's just going to make it more and more difficult. What I'd like to see is just some normalization of a marketplace. Tell you what, three, four percent increase just ahead of inflation. Great, we could do it. That would be just fine. And guess what? The market will sustain itself. You'll have more buyers coming into it, more properties being built, and it will finally put some balance in this market. But you know what? Why would they listen to anybody that actually does it? So here's the problem. How do we solve this issue? The issue is going to continue to grow. You know, here we are. You know, we're looking at lockdowns. We know that kids are going to go back to school tomorrow, but there's still a lot of stuff that's not opening up. And what's going to happen? What's going to happen to the real estate market? Because this is the thing that happened back in 2020. It happened every single time that the, the market gets locked down. People are staying at home a little bit more. What's going to happen? I'm going to tell you. I think the prices are going to go up. You'll see my post on Instagram, The Simple Investor One. I talk about it. And one of the biggest things I think will happen is the fact that people will sit back and say, okay, I'm not going to go on the market yet, which means that we're going to lower inventory. We're going to get down to a record low of what we have as far as supply. And then what's going to happen? People are going to sit there and go, well, now what do we do? Well, um, we're going to wait. And then as soon as something comes on, they're going to jump on it. What does that do? Forces prices up, low inventory, you know, big demand, prices go up, a little bit of pressure on interest rates coming down the pipe, potentially March, April, quarter point, you know, increase probably out of the gate, first one that the Bank of Canada will take a swing at. And then you've got, you can lock your rate in. Of course, when you get pre-qualified, get your rate locked in. Very important. Anybody that's looking at buying in the spring, you know, start having that conversation, but lock your rate in. And then you've got 90 to 120 days to close. So what's going to happen? Means the market's going to heat up. And then what happens with the heated market? Prices go up. And then everybody's going to start complaining again and the cycle's a vicious cycle that will never end until we get more inventory. I know I talk about it regularly here on the show and I apologize if, you know, it's getting a little bit long, but the truth is this is our problem. And with immigration that's going to continue to grow, we know that we need more properties, not just for people to buy, but people to rent. And this is going to be very important that we keep our eye on the ball. You know what? Write to your MP to say, look, we need more properties. What are you doing about it? And none of them are going to give you a solution. In fact, you'll get a polite letter back that's saying, uh, thank you for your letter. We appreciate all of your views and we'll take it under advisement. Yeah, great. Okay. Smoke and mirrors. Here we go. You don't need it. What we need is action. And action today means get rid of the red tape. You know what? Don't sit there and tell us that you need to increase development charges to these builders. Do something on the other end and say, okay, tell you what, every homeowner that's buying a brand new property or something like this is going to get a rebate. Land transfer tax rebate, you know, brand new home rebate. Turn around and give rebates to make things more affordable to people because you can control the rebate. And if you do that, then you know what? We may just solve a little bit of this problem. We'll get more properties built, more, more units, and we might be able to get more in the rental market too. And guess what? There is a solution, but we got to put our heads together. Speaking of putting our heads together, as I mentioned, um, we do have a, you know, an incredible show planned for you. It's called The Past Presidents, and I'm so excited about it. And uh, when we come back after the break, they're going to be joining us. So stay with us. We'll be right back. 
And welcome back. As I mentioned just before the break, I have a very, very special, you know, uh, segment uh, today. In fact, uh, we're going to run it for three of the segments. And I had mentioned that I've got the past presidents joining me. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce my my panel this hour. Um, I've got Paul Etherington joining, joining me. He is the past president of the Toronto Real Estate Board in 2014. He is currently the broker of record, Royal Heritage Realty. Uh, Tim Sirianos, no stranger to the show. As you know, he's part of our talk triangle every single month. Uh, Tim is broker of record at Remax Ultimate, also owner. But he's also the past president of the Toronto Real Estate Board in, again, 2017. So we have fun with that one. But he is currently a director at the Canadian Real Estate Association. And by the way, anything Tim says does not have a reflection on Korea. And finally, rounding out the group, I've got Ray Ferris and You've all heard him here with me numerous times. He is broker owner of Erie's Edge uh, Realty, but he's also the past president of the Ontario Real Estate Association in 2016. So, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me this hour. Thanks, Thanks for having us. us. Always a pleasure. So, Paul, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna jump in with you right away. Um, you know, lots of things going on in the real estate world. Um, I, uh, you know, I've been. Kind of keeping my posts kind of neutral, but with the latest lockdowns, you know, a lot of people want to anticipate that perhaps the market would go south. I actually just think it fuels demand because there's going to be people hesitant to put their their, uh, properties on the market. But as soon as they feel the green light is there, I feel that we're going to see a price increase. I, I would agree strongly with that. There is such a shortage right now of inventory. There is 20 offers on many, many houses. Every time there's a listing out, there's multiple, multiple offers on it. And we're not just seeing it in Toronto. We're seeing it in Durham. We're seeing it in Belleville. We're seeing it in Muskoka. Everywhere we're getting multiple. There's a real shortage of supply. Well, you know, and and I'm glad you brought that it's not just a Toronto thing. Ray, you know, you and I talk all the time about the vacation properties, you know, out in your neck of the woods, you know, on the shores of Lake Erie, you know, we we know how cottages have fared. You know, we're looking at the start of the year. Do you see the same thing? Do you see the heat staying in your marketplace and the fact that maybe some people aren't willing to hop in the market? I just think it's going to fuel the demand. Yeah, I agree with you. I think back to when the pandemic started in March of 2020. And at that time, what happened is a lot of home sellers chose not to put their properties on the market. So as we started to live with COVID and learning how to be responsible and safe, people started to slowly return to the market putting their homes for sale on the market. And what you had were all these buyers competing for the same homes that came on the market all at a similar time. Uh, But what you had was a whole bunch of buyers who had not found anything that they were looking for. And as a result, we had more buyers than we had sellers causing prices to increase. And I think we're going to see the exact same thing again. Yeah. So Tim, you know, for, for us, you know, we talk on a, on a regular basis, you and I, you know, have said that maybe the real estate cycle is going to return uh, to more of a active spring market. I mean, doesn't this just set us up to fuel the spring market even more? You know, this is, this is one of those things that I think that if people are just going to hold off to the last second, I I think buyers are just going to be sitting there with bated breath. Well, at one point, I thought there'd be a, a, an opportunity or, or a window of opportunity for buyers to actually enter the marketplace during, um, you know, this time with, with a lockdown and, you know, possibly work on some fear or some 
um, you know, chance that, you know, people would react and, and sell their properties, but that never happened. As a matter of fact, quite the opposite happened. Uh, we're at 10 day supply of real estate right now in the greater Toronto area. Uh, 10 day supply is a scary, you know, amount of supply to have right now. So um, all the government really did with this lockdown is really push the spring down and the spring's going to, you know, react and, and fly right back up again. Um, so, you know, we're anticipating, we had a meeting, a couple of meetings already in the, in the new year, and we are talking to a lot of our clients and sellers, our agents are, are reporting back to me and telling me exactly what their clients are th uh, thinking and feeling. They're just waiting for, you know, January 26th, January 27th, January 28th, you know, some form of kids being back in school and being able to prep their property and hit the market. So we are going to definitely see uh, a spring up and it's going to start earlier than it, than I thought it would. I think, I, as I said, um, you know, I, I do talk about this all the time. I think that this is going to add fuel to the fire. I think that, you know, and, and as Ray had alluded to, you know, I was watching the numbers very carefully, March 2020, April 2020. And, you know, one of the things that I find, though, and we've got a lot of agencies that do the reporting. Tim, you live and breathe by the numbers. Paul, I believe you and Ray do the same thing. But here's what's going to happen. You know, what we did was we kind of, as soon as we clamped down on people, people say, okay, I'm going to wait. Now, what happened was it drove the average price down because when we report, of course, we put it in one big melting pot and we say this is the average price. So the people that are selling right now on the average would be the people that have to because they, let's say, are in the move up position. Maybe they bought something else firm. So they could be selling their condo, their townhouse, their semi-detached. But what we saw in 2020 was we saw the upper price range, that $2 million, $3 million you know, price range, it, they said, okay, we don't have to do this yet. So we're just going to wait. So what it did was it drove, artificially drove the average sale price that we report down. And this is where, you know, I want our listeners to be very mindful. Paul, would you agree with that? We've got to be careful on how we read these numbers over the next couple of months. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. It's, it's very, you know, when you, when you take a big enough sample, a few odd sales don't matter, but when you're looking at people that are all moving up and they've sold their condos and that, those sales are lower than the freehold houses and the detached houses and the semi-houses that are sold after that. So you do have to be very careful with the stats, how many of them, what was the value of the condos, what was the value of the one-bedroom condos, what was the value of the three-bedroom houses. Um, those are all important numbers, more so than an average number. Yeah. And Tim, you know, you and I talk about all this because, you know, you've got a major presence in the condominium market. And of course, uh, you know, we know that your brokerage also sells a lot of the detached, but your activity will be skewed because, you know, all of a sudden the number of condominiums is going to outweigh the number of detached and everybody's going to say, oh, the detached market's going to fall. Well, we always joke about the idea of having a snowstorm that shuts down the city for three days. And then the, the media reports that there's been no sales. Right. And the market's on a, on a downslope you know, disastrous path. Um, you know, we're, we're looking at a, at a, at a short um, lockdown. I believe that by the time the reporting does happen uh, at the end of January, that, you know, the, the numbers will be reflective uh, of other very active months. Um, I do believe that a lot of the realtors right now are actually being very active, educating um, their clients not to wait. Um, and to actually put their property on the market. Um, again, 10 day supply is not a healthy place to be right now. So um, yeah. Well, you know, but to, to that, Tim, you know, we've, we, we do get the warning, you know, everybody's talking about Omicron. Nobody wants to, you know, catch, 
you know, it, and they don't want people in their houses. So, you know, if somebody's moved out, great, you know, it's easy, you can show an empty house, but there are those concerns. And this is, you know, even, even if, even if we've got the schools going back tomorrow on Monday, you know, the big thing for us looking at the big picture, we still have restaurants, we closed down, we've got gyms closed, like we've got a lot of things closed down. So I still believe that there's that mindset that a lot of people don't want people in their houses. The mindset's there. I mean, I'm not going to discount that in any way. All I'm adding is that we've been through this now several times. And generally, people are much more prepared um, and, and much more optimistic, dare I say, about what's going to happen going forward. I mean, we're, we're talking about, uh, you know, hockey games. We're talking about uh, basketball games, people wanting to uh, allow in, in, you know, people in the stands again to watch these sporting events. We're talking about restaurants right now, really getting prepared uh, for a good announcement to come in. I don't think it's the same mindset as it's been in the past. I'm not discounting it, Todd, in any way. I'm just, I just believe that people have lived through this several times and, and they're, they're just getting their homes and, or condos you know, ready right now to hit the market. Yeah, well, here's hoping. Um, folks, we're going to go to a quick break, but just so you know, this is uh, this segment of the show, we're, we are calling it the the past presidents. And with me, Paul Etherington, Tim Sirianos, Ray Ferris, uh, you know, great discussion. We've got a lot to talk about, uh, about what's going on. How about some, you know, speculation taxes? Uh, is it going to come in the future? And what does the government think of properties over a million dollars? Well, I'm going to have my panel discuss that when we come back. And don't forget, if you want to follow me on Instagram, the Simple Investor One. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, this show is actually the show of the past presidents. I've got Paul Etherington joining me. He's the past president of the Toronto Real Estate Board 2014-15, broker of record at Royal Heritage Realty. Tim Sirianos, past president of the Toronto Real Estate Board 2017, currently a director at the Canadian Real Estate Association. And Ray Ferris, broker owner of Erie's Edge, and he is the past president of the Ontario Real Estate Association in 2016. Uh, gentlemen, just before the we were discussing, you know, the activity, what Omicron can do to affect it. Uh, I think we're all in agreement that, you know, we're probably going to see a little bit of pent up demand. We should be looking at a really good spring. But uh, Ray, I do want to talk to you about something that, you know, I know, um, you know, being a past president of RIA, you are still a big advisor there to Tim Hudak, who is currently the CEO. But big things happening in the marketplace. A lot of these rumors keep sticking their heads up about the government taking a run at things such as equity in homes you know proposed tax on a million over on, on homes worth over a million dollars you know the fact that cmhc threw that out there saying this should be an option right where do we sit what's aria's reaction and where do you think we go from here well look we heard this same thing back in 2020 when uh, cmhc uh, put together a report on a capital gains tax on people's principal residence. And the government denied it at that time. But again, we're seeing another report that was funded by the government that CMHC prepared, as you said, would see a tax, they're referring it to as a luxury tax, on homes that are valued at over a million dollars. And the federal government has denied that they have any plans to create another tax on homes. But our point of view is if you're not interested in creating another homeowner tax, then stop funding these reports. Yeah, you know, you're, I remember the expression, 
there's fire. Um, in 2019, before the Trudeau government got elected, uh, Ray, you and I both know, little notice running around making the proposal of a capital gains on primary residents. Again, you know, all of a sudden shuffled around, did not exist. It's one of these constant things that, you know, I think that people have this mindset. If somebody makes money on their home, shame on them. And a proposed tax at a million dollars, you know, if we take a look at something somebody's owned for 20 years, you know, they've they've owned their property. They should not even consider this, and yet they do. You know, Paul, this is one of the things that, you know, I think the government has to be very, very careful on how they weigh into this because there are people that make their business on, you know, buying, fixing up real estate and selling it. And at the same time, home ownership is a, you know, something that I think that should not be impeded by any government ruling. I agree with you completely. And and people who buy houses, fix them up and then sell them, they do pay tax. That's a business. They're buying houses and selling them. But I think it's political suicide for any government to t- try to tax your principal residence or put a luxury tax on property. We're talking about people in many cases who've owned their houses for 30 years, 40 years, and these people are selling them and moving down or moving farther away from the GTA or farther out. And that is funding their retirement. This is not free money that these people have been given. This is money they have earned by keeping their house up for 30 years and everything else. And yes, it's been a very strong market in the last couple of years, but there was times in the late 80s, uh, 89, 90, 91, 92, when people lost money on their houses. I mean, the government didn't plan to give anybody a bonus for anything like that. So they've got to keep their head and their hands out of residential real estate. Tax people who are buying and flipping and doing that stuff, that's all fine. Those people expect to pay taxes. But people who've lived in their houses for years and it's their principal residence, they've raised their family there. You can't tax these people. This just isn't right. And I think it's political suicide for any government to do so. You know, Todd, I, I think of this cottage that I sold just recently in Long Point, and the homeowners were actually in their 80s. And it was a beachfront property, and they didn't actually use it as their cottage. They used it as their home. And taxes kept going up and up and up on their home. And it got so unaffordable for them that they had to move out. They had to move out of their family home in which they raised their children. And now we're talking about another tax on on taxes that people already pay. It's just not fair to middle class families and retirees. Yeah, and I I agree with your point 100%, Ray. Um, Tim, I'll give you the last thought on this. But, you know, the one one thing that, you know, again, Paul mentioned – People have that have this long-term ownership. The idea that you're taxing it based on a number, I think, is so unrealistic. So, what do we do? Do we sell it for nine hundred ninety-nine thousand and give them a, you know, have them give you a dollar on closing just so it, you know, comes under the million? Couldn't have imagined that happening. I don't even want to think about that happening. That's a whole different uh, uh, world that you know could be, you know, created. Listen, I mean, the average price in Toronto right now is over one point two million dollars. Uh, you know, starting at a million dollars for any type of tax is just ludicrous. My in-laws, uh, as you know, Ray, you know, mentioned earlier, my in-laws are in their late seventies and eighties, lived in their home um, in Toronto for you know forty-five years, and it's worth more than a million dollars. They're on a fixed pension. Uh, my parents, no different. Um, but you know, not just the people who've been living in their homes for forty years. 
even, you know, the first time buyer right now to get into a house, it's a million dollars in many cases. Um, how is that an incentive to create supply? Supply is what we need to have a balanced market. You know, not, not more taxes to have people go where? There's not even enough rental properties. So somebody's forced to sell their property and to rent. There aren't enough rental properties to house people right now. There are so many things that are wrong with this approach um, that just is so concerning to Canadians from coast to coast. And I hope people take this very seriously. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because it kind of it kind of leads into our next topic, and it's about inventory. And you know, one of the things that I'm struggling with, and especially when the report starts telling us that you know, 25% of the properties being purchased are being purchased by investors because they consider them investors because they own another property. And my problem with this is it's not that they are driving the prices. But we do have a rental uh, shortage. Tim, you're front and center to it there. You've seen the uh, rates go up again. We have, you know, we have a low inventory right now for buying properties, but we have a low inventory for renting properties. You know, and Paul, one of the things that we try to focus on is, you know, we've got to have a balancing act in inventory. We're losing on both sides, not just from the ability for people to purchase something, but it's also for the ability of people to rent something. We just don't have enough inventory, period, bar none, full stop. I wish people would stop reporting. Paul, what's your take on it? Yeah, we are so so short of rentals. And I mean, this is not something that is the GTA problem. Our offices are in Durham and Northumberland. There's no rentals out there either. The rentals just don't exist. They're really hard to find. And I think the government's got to do something on that. They've got to allow more basement or accessory apartments. They've got to, you know, if they're tested and uh, inspected and found to be safe, they should allow more apartments in houses. First of all, people would be able to afford their house easier. And it would open up a whole bunch of accommodations. If someone's living in an owner's basement, it's going to be a maintained property. And it's going to be better for people to get into. We, we have to have more supply on the rental and on the housing. They have to... They have to just figure out ways. And one of the ways would be, you know, accessory apartments in in houses. And the other thing is they have to allow more building. They have to get the building. It it takes too long from the planning of the subdivision till people can move in. And it's too expensive. They've got to reduce lot levies. They've got to open up more land. They've got to allow for higher densities. We are a world-class city. And you're not going to find all these great big sprawling bungalows in downtown Toronto over years and years. They're going to be replaced by higher density housing. And that's what we have to have. Yeah. And there's not, you know, I, I, I like picking on the federal parties. Sometimes I like picking on one more than others, but yeah, I got to tell you, none of them had a solution during the federal election. Not one of them actually was realistic. Ray, when we saw the numbers come through, you and I had a good chuckle. You know, when a party sits there and says, we're going to create 1.4 million houses or 1 million houses over the next few years. I just think that people have to stop listening to lies because it's not realistic for anybody to do it. You know, I mean, we've heard so many promises uh, from all political parties during all election campaigns, and we're still sitting here with a tremendous housing shortage. You know, I just think of the people that are renting right now in my community, small town, rural Ontario, and their landlord uh, is going to occupy the property themselves, and they cannot find another home of their own. And we heard in the federal election that, you know, all parties were going to solve the the housing crisis. But I mean, it's just getting worse. People cannot afford 
to rent any longer. Like, I mean, in my community, rent is more expensive than a mortgage payment. But if you think it's hard trying to find a house to buy, it's even more difficult just to find a place to rent. And to Paul's point, we need to make zoning much more friendlier for people to create apartments in their basements, which would be rental opportunities for people that are in the market just to have a place of their own. Yeah. So gentlemen, we're going to go to a quick break. Folks, when we come back, I'm going to be joined by the past presidents and we'll be right back after this. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, I've got three past presidents joining me. I'm really happy. Uh, You know, so far, if you missed any part of the show, go back, listen to it, you know, um, here at the Bell Network. But most importantly, I've got Paul Etherington joining me. He is the past president of the Toronto Real Estate Board 2014, broker of record at Royal Heritage. Tim Sarianos, past president of TREB 2017, currently a director at the Canadian Real Estate Association, broker owner of Remax Ultimate. And I've got Ray Ferris, broker owner of Erie's Edge. He is the past president of the Ontario Real Estate Association 2016. Tim, just before the break, you know, we're having a little bit, uh, well, I'm not going to say I was targeting the government, but I'm tired of the BS, the, the broken promises. In fact, promises that should never even been made about inventory and the lack of inventory in the marketplace, not just for people to buy, but people to rent. Um, your thoughts on that? Well, the biggest challenge is the, you know, paintbrushing the entire, you know, everywhere and comparing, you know, real estate in Toronto to where Durham is or to where, to where Fort Erie is. So, for example, Paul talked about accessory units and basement apartments. Uh, I'm in downtown Toronto. I'm going to talk about laneway housing. You know, like, why not allow us to build laneway housing? And then if you're going to talk about, you know, taxes and supply and affordability, you're looking at one of my colleagues, a REMAX colleague in Edmonton, who told me a 1,200 square foot bungalow is $325,000. And uh, a a 1,200 square foot bungalow in Toronto is 1.25. I think that when uh, Paul was president, the average price was $325,000. Um, <laughs> wow, that was a bit of a shot. Yeah. I don't want to throw him a shot, right? <laughs> but, um, but, but you know, like, I mean, things do change. Um, but we're at 1.2 million. My point is this you cannot have one rule for Fort Erie that you're going to have for Lakelands or Northumberland or Toronto. You have to really look at things in, 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 a, in, a, in a different way and be in, inclusive, you know, and, and look at how zoning affects many aspects and that is how we get to the supply fix right that's how we get the supply fix yeah but you know i i I agree with you i'm going to throw in a little disagreement because here's the thing um and because as as everybody knows i'm the simple investor we have properties all over ontario i'm going to tell you these outer markets tim they're not as easy either And, and ray does bring up a very important point you know his the price point out in some of these marketplaces is is actually very very expensive and getting stuff built is still difficult. I, I think the building process as a whole, I think the government, I think the, uh, the provincial government has to give municipalities more leeway and less demands. And I think if we can do that and just in, like increase the speed of it, and I agree, Toronto, we need it. But you know, you're talking density. When we talk about these outer markets, they have the land, they just can't get it built. So this is a big part of it. And, you know, Paul, in your area, you know, you see it being built, but it's like it's years and years to get there. So, again, I agree. We can't paint it with the same brush, but the overall brush is get the government out of the way of building this stuff. They keep creating the problem that they keep saying they're going to come up with a solution. So 
you know, that's my take on it. Paul, I don't know if you agree or disagree with me, but they just they just need to get out of our way. I, I totally agree. To me, the government gets involved and things go from bad to worse. Um, and, and, you know, I know the governments, each government has different ideas and stuff like that. And, and some of them are more progressive than others. But the thing is, they do have to get out of the way. They have to let they have to make rules and laws and, and bylaws that allow both federal, provincial and municipal have to change the rules to allow things to be developed quicker. And some of these levies and lot fees they charge and stuff like that, it makes it so these these get passed on to the buyers and they're just free money to the municipalities. And um, they they really affect the affordability of property. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So let's move on because there's a couple other things I want to talk about. Um, you know, you three gentlemen are active in the real estate. You're brokers, you know, you're broker owners, you are active in the business of real estate. And of course, one of the things that I've been struggling with, Tim, you and I've talked about this in the past, but you know, with the headlines, I hate the headlines because they keep talking about things such as Toronto bungalow sells in four days for 410,000 over asking. The perception in the public is just getting skewed all the time. You know what? The neighborhood could have sold. They could be selling under the last sale. But because people are setting up multiple offers, what we're seeing is we see these reportings like this, and it just scares people more and more, and it keeps going to the narrative, we can't afford real estate. Tim, do you agree or disagree? Uh, obviously, I agree 100% that um, the narrative that's created by these media headlines are exactly what they are, is media headlines. Their, their intent is to capture your attention and to create a conversation. My biggest concern has always been they talk about affordability, but affordability means many different things, and it's defined in many different ways. Um, again, going back to uh, an asking price to a selling price, we all know at this point and, and that uh, an asking price is just a marketing price. It's not a market value price. And the, and the entire design is to um, you know, stage the property, have the property on the market and have an open and have the opportunity for people to, to get as many people through the property to take a look at it and then make an offer. But you know, we gotta get away from looking at 400,000 over asking because you know, market value was not set at $400,000 below what it was supposed to be. Yeah, exactly. Ray, I don't know what the reporting is out in your neck of the woods, but I'm pretty sure that people do like to brag over asking. And, you know, again, I think it's detrimental to the market. Yeah, it's definitely detrimental to the market. And I'll give you a real life example from last night. We had a property listed at fair market value. Now, your Toronto listeners will find it Shocking that the value of this house was three ninety nine nine in the town of Simcoe. Hey, everybody's moving to Simcoe. <laughs> I'm on my way, Ray. I'm on my way. <laughs> I know that's a deposit for a house in Toronto, but here the market value of this particular small home uh, was three ninety nine, and we didn't achieve the level of showings on that property that I thought we would have based on that price. But here's the issue. Buyers are exhausted. I think what happened is buyers saw that price and they thought it was artificially priced too low that it would end up selling for hundreds of thousands of dollars over ask. So they didn't even come and look at it or on offer presentation night, they didn't even show up with an offer because they just thought it was a tactic. Wow. 
You know, Paul, you uh, you've been watching the you know Durham area grow like crazy. You know, um, you know, I'm pretty sure you guys are struggling with getting things built there. You know, Amazon Depot, the airport. Um, you know, what what's going on in Durham? Same things, really. We have, um, you know, they talk about these condo towers. They're applying to build the condo towers, and it's six, seven years out till they're built. Um, they're applying for all kinds of them. I don't think they have the um, infrastructure to support them if they all were to get built, but at least it would be housing being built. Um, it, it just takes so long. And, and Ray's completely right. We see that out here, too. If a house is priced where it should be, it doesn't get the action that if it's priced a couple hundred thousand dollars less. And uh, but it really does take too long to get stuff built. And they're just the rules are too tight. Yeah. So, gentlemen, um, you know, the powers to be say that the market should be going up probably another seven to nine percent this year. Just quickly, Ray, do you see it? Based on current inventory levels and the recent sales that we've already experienced in the first few days of the new year, that looks like uh, what's going to happen. Unless, of course, the government intervenes and does something stupid and tries to control uh, the supply. Yep. And Paul, what do you think? Durham, are we going to see we're going to see that price increase or more? I think if uh, I, I agree with Ray, if the government gets involved, then if they get involved, they will do something stupid. But if the government doesn't get involved, I think we're going to see more like 10, 12, 15 percent price increase this year. Wow. And Tim, do you echo that or do you see it being a little bit more normal? Uh, well, I've already uh, predicted in a previous uh, conversation with you about a 10% increase, right? Um, yeah, Ian I, has I, that one stored. Ian has that one stored, just so you know. I so know, at the end of I the know, year, we're going to pull that one and, up. <laughs> and I'm willing to put a bet on with any one of these uh, three, including you, that there will be government uh, announcements of some kind. Um, and, I, and I will also say that interest rates uh, increasing are not a bad thing. I'm actually hoping they do increase in, in proper intervals, not in a fast way. Um, as long as interest rates in, you know, increase you know, three times or four times over a year, year and a half, we're going to be in great shape because I don't believe we should have reduced interest rates to the levels that they're at right now based on the amount of government assistance that existed through this whole COVID pandemic. And that's part of the fuel um, that was that was added to this fire. I mean, aside from having no supply, right? So, so I do believe that we're going to have a very strong uh, front-loaded market, and it's going to average out on the back end, and it's going to be around ten percent. All righty. Well, listen, gentlemen. I want to thank all three of you for joining me this hour. It's been a great pleasure having you join me and folks um you know the uh, the i call them the past presidents but they are more, definitely not past they are living it breathing it and thank you so much for joining me thanks Welcome. For the invite. always a pleasure todd thank you thank you wow you know what i gotta tell you that was so exciting um i do want to thank paul etherington tim sirianos ray ferris for joining me for the section of the past presidents and uh, definitely, you know what, I will, uh, I will bring them back on because so much we could just keep going, going and going and going. Um, I do want to thank everybody for tuning in this week. Uh, very, very special week for us. Just so you know, uh, our newest release, we actually knocked it out of the park. 229900 for our three-bedroom townhomes in North Bay. And by the way, we sold out phase one, two, and three complete sellout 
But if you want to uh, want to know more about us, go to thesimpleinvestor.com. We have uh, a lot of stuff planned for 2022, and it's going to be very exciting. I do want to thank Ian Grant for making it simple for me, and thank you uh, for tuning in every single week. I will be back next Sunday at noon. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010.